0: Amen. Well, good morning. Hey, everyone have a good Thanksgiving. Yeah, I hope you did. We had a great one. We had prime rib on Thanksgiving. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate that. So that was like a dream come true. Appreciate it. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you actually gave thanks. Uh, the, one of the reasons why God commands us to give thanks is because when we give thanks, we, we recognize uh, the goodness that he's poured out on us, and it actually makes our hearts glad. So I hope you've been doing that. Uh, one of the things I've been giving thanks for a lot lately just... Uh, to others and in prayer to God is for you guys. I'm I'm grateful for this church, so thankful for you guys. Thank you that I I get the the chance to walk alongside and just see God work in and through your lives and do 10,000 other things I'm not seeing, but just the fact that we get to have this faith family together. What a blessing. If you're new here, my name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors. It is my privilege and joy to open up God's word with you this morning. We are in uh, the book of Psalms this morning, the the most famous Psalm, Psalm 23. Psalm 23. And Psalm 23 is that Psalm that uh, maybe you never have a background in church and you just came in, but you, you probably already know the song. You might the Psalm you might have it memorized, but um, it, it is uh, its familiarity can we can lose what what God has for us in it. So I, I hope that we uh, can go deeper than just a, a Psalm that everyone knows. As I was preparing this week, I was reading a book by uh, John Maxwell. He's kind of a leadership guy. He also used to be a pastor, and and he was talking about this. He said one Thanksgiving, he they they were gathered as a family, and as a family, they uh, after the supper they were sitting around. They decided to go around and just share uh, a meaningful verse or a a song or something that you've memorized that's meaningful to you. and And so when it came to John, because he was a pastor before, he goes to Psalm twenty three. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. so kind of had your response. Oh, okay, that's cool. Um, and they, they went around and uh, each person shared, well, they, they got the last person, Grandma. She, she had been asleep. Like she, she had been sleeping. And so they woke her up and they, they began to explain to her what, what they were doing. And she, she got big, wide eyes and she recited Psalm 23. He said that in that room, uh, when she recited, there wasn't a dry eye in the room. Like a totally different response. And, and as they were, they were leaving that night, someone remarked to him, like, hey, what, what was the deal? Like, you, you did the psalm, and, and she did the psalm, but why, why do you think it was such a different response in the room? And he just said, well, it's because I know the psalm. She knows the shepherd. And, and our prayer here this morning as we look at this passage is that you would know the shepherd. Oh, oh, yes, may you know the psalm, but may you know the shepherd that it points to, to that end. Let me just pray for us as we uh, seek to seek the shepherd this morning. So, Father, we come before you in the name of your Son, in the power of your Holy Spirit, asking, Holy Spirit, that once again you would meet with us through your word. You'd give us eyes to see and to savor your work in our lives and through our lives. Uh, I pray for a fresh vision of, of what you're doing Uh, in every circumstance of our life, how you shepherd us so well. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are working through a series we call Framework. It's just our, our way to take about... 10, 12 weeks, this is week 10, uh, of just going through the very key promises and foundations of the Old Testament and, and as it points to and finds its fulfillment ultimately in Jesus so that when you read your Old Testament and you read your New Testament, they'll come together uh, in a more coherent way and your worship will be fueled. And so we come to this psalm. 500 times in your Bible, it's going to refer to God's people as sheep. A hundred times, it's going to refer to God as shepherd. So this is a key theme, and this is the epicenter of that theme. And at least a dozen times, a dozen passages, that there's going to be an outworking of coming back to this theme. And especially in the Gospels, Jesus is going to refer to Psalm 23 and point to himself. So it is one of the cornerstones of our Bible. And in it, there is going to be some promises, there's going to be a promise of, of a vision of what life is meant to be, what, what the good life actually is, but, but, but there's some obstacles before we can get to those promises that, that we've got to kind of deal with in our own life and heart. And one of the obstacles is that we all live, and everyone who's ever lived, uh, lives with competing visions, visions of what we think the good life is. And so we've all done it. He said, if I just get that thing, the, I'll be satisfied. If I have that kind of marriage, or these kind of kids, or that kind of career, or, or, or if I get to live in this place, or I have this, whatever it is, there's a, a thousand competing visions for what the good life is. I remember right after college, I... I, I was working in the financial service industry. My, my boss called all of us into her office, and she wanted to kind of cast vision for us. And so she had given us these magazines, and she said, I want you to find something in the magazine and, and cut cut it out and then put it on the, on your cubicle, because we had cubicles. And, and I want you to just see that every day when you come in so you can live and work for that. And on, on her wall, she had a, a picture of like a red sports car. She said, that's why I come in every day. That's why I do this. And in my self-righteousness, I was like, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that. But I've done it in a thousand different ways. I was just pretty self-righteous in that moment. But, but I've lived for those things. I've gone do, down those paths and that have said, man, if you just go far enough, you'll be satisfied. And every now and again in our culture and in our day and in history, there, there are people that have gone really, really far down and they report back, hey, it's not all it's cracked up to be. We're like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, it is, it is. We're going to, don't tell us that. We're going to, we're going to go down that path. And so we go and we go. But every now and again, if we'd have ears to hear, they they might have some warnings for us. I think of uh, Tom Brady. In 2005, he had won his third Super Bowl ring. He's won six already, but but 2005, he was 26 year old. After winning his third Super Bowl ring, he had was dating supermodels. He eventually goes on to marry a supermodel. He has fame, he has wealth, he has all the things that our culture says, man, if you get that, you'll be satisfied. He had won his third Super Bowl, and and in this 60 minute interview, uh, they're talking about that and just kind of uh, pondering that, and then he he like just kind of. He has this kind of existential moment where he gets really, in the interview I watched it this week, he gets really contemplative and, and he begins to reflect and here's what he says, he says why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me I mean maybe a lot of people would say, hey man this is what it is, I reached my goal my dream, my life, me I think, God it's got to be more than this I mean, this isn't, this, this isn't, it, it can't be, th- this isn't what it's all cracked up to be, is it? And the interviewer doesn't even know how to go forward with the interview at this point, and so he just asks, well, what's the answer? And Brady answered, I wish I knew. Now, he would go on to win other rings. Maybe it was at the fourth ring that, that he would find satisfaction, maybe it was the fifth ring. Maybe it was the last ring. Maybe it was the sixth ring. Maybe that was the moment we finally arrived in life. I don't know. Maybe that's what he would tell you. The interviewer asked him, hey, what, what, at this point, what, what's your favorite Super Bowl ring? His answer, the next one. Now, let's just assume he has achieved it. But, but even if, if at, at three Super Bowl rings and all that wealth and, and a supermodel life and all the things, if he's not satisfied, what hope is there for the rest of us going down that path? What hope do we think that we, quit, we can arrive and be satisfied in the paths of, of life that we, we are pursuing with our lives all the time? Well, well so we've got to get past that. We've got to say maybe there's a different vision. Maybe there's a, a, a better path. Maybe there is a path. And this psalm points us to that. So that's the first obstacle obstacle we have to overcome the competing visions of the good life. The second one is uh, just embracing our, what I'll call our sheepishness. Now, everyone who's ever preached this psalm has pointed out to be called a sheep is not a compliment. Sheep are dumb, they're really dumb. They, they, they are smelly uh, they're, they're skittish they're easily frightened That they've got kind of this tunnel vision where they're like there's a piece of green grass and there's one and there's one and there's one and, and they'll just go off they'll get totally lost and when they're lost they'll freak out and they'll just become paralyzed so even if the shepherd comes and finds them they won't follow the shepherd will have to tackle them uh, wrap up their legs put them on his shoulder and carry them back to the flock sheep are in, in every way man. this is not a great metaphor and yet David is writing at the, towards the end of his life, who, who's been a shepherd and he knows sheep and he's, he's gone down the paths and they haven't delivered in their promises. But at the end of his life, he's, he's looking back and he's like, this is a good metaphor for us, actually. This is how we are, actually. Uh, the, 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 if we can just embrace our sheepishness. One guy I was reading this week, he's, he was talking about a trip to Scotland, and he was driving with his wife, and he saw on the green hills all the sheep, and they're like, oh, beautiful. Oh, that, that, this is beautiful bucolic setting. Beautiful. And as they got closer, they were all dead sheep. They had gone off the cliff and died at the bottom. And, and that's just what sheep do. Like They're like, well, there's a piece of grass, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, that's how, that's how sheep work. But You're like, man, I don't know if I want to be called a sheep. Yeah, part of embracing what God has is embracing the sheepishness of it, because I also understand this: they are, they were tremendously valuable to the shepherd and to the whole community. They were the treasured possession of the shepherd. And if we can embrace our sheepishness, sometimes people say, you know, Christianity—that's just a crutch for the weak. And I say, yeah, 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 you're right, it is. You know, it's for the broken. It's for the poor. It's for the lost. It's for the hungry. It's not for the people that have all their life together. It's not for the people who can conquer all their enemies. It's not for the people that can come to the end of their lives and conquer their great enemy of death. If that's you, good luck. I hope that's working out for you. But for me, yeah, it's a crutch. And there's a beauty in, in realizing, man, I am a sheep and I need a good shepherd. And if we can do that, we can see a vision for this. But the vision of the good life is actually kind of surprising. It starts off, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I don't know about you, I want a lot of things. And so I haven't got to this point, but David has had a lot of things, and he's at a point in his life where he's able to say, everything in life, all the good things, ultimately are find their source in you, and therefore I am satisfied in you. It's this repeated theme in the Bible that in God, and God alone, do we get our thirsts quenched. It says, He makes me. Somebody you just pause right there. Wait a minute. I don't like that. I, I'm, I'm an American. I don't want anyone making me do anything. What is this? He makes me. This is my problem with God. He makes me. And, and, and David er, is, is not shy about it. Yeah, you come to this shepherd on his terms. But look what his terms are. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That's what sheep want. He makes me do that. He leads me beside still waters. I read this week, sheep won't even drink from a, a stream with ripples. It freaks them out. And so shepherds would have to like carve it out and bring still water in there. But, but this is what this shepherd does. He leads me beside still waters. Uh, he restores my soul. This is the kind of shepherd that that not just the soul, but the the word actually means the totality of my being, my body, mind, and soul. Like like in Him I find my refreshment, my renewal, my restoration. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Now again, this is necessary because sheep cannot lead themselves. You'll never find a pack of wild sheep. They, They can't survive on their own. They get lost there's enemies, they're vulnerable, they die, they get stolen. That's the life of a sheep apart from a good shepherd. That There is no GPS, there's no map, there's, there's nothing that the sheep can look at that they would follow. No, Isaiah said it like this last week in Isaiah 53. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Like sheep have gone astray, each to our own way. And that's how sheep are. But But this shepherd leads us in paths Of righteousness. Why does he do it? For his name's sake. Everything God does is for his name's sake. Everything God does is to put on display his glory. And his glory and our joy are not at odds with one another. They work in concert. That's how good the shepherd is. And so who wouldn't want to follow a shepherd that leads them in, uh, to, to lie down in green pastures and still waters, restoring the soul, paths of righteousness? God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. They're not at, at odds, though the enemy would tell you they are. Our first parents believed the lie when, when Satan came to them, Adam and Eve, and said, hey, God doesn't have your best interest in mine. Why don't you do it your way? And we've all done that. We've all doubted the goodness of this shepherd, but but here we see a picture of the shepherd for his name's sake and for our joy. We get to walk in paths of righteousness with him. But then it begins to take a turn, a turn that we don't necessarily like. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The Bible is always just going to be honest with us, and I want to be always honest. Like, you don't come to Christianity thinking, this will mean I have no pain, I have no suffering, there's no dark days. Like, no, the Bible is like, no, there is, there is a valley, and we're going to call it the valley of the shadow of death. It, it, is, it is like death is creeping behind you, and the, His shadow is now overtaking you. It, it is a dark place, and, and, and you will all go through that valley. Some of you are in that valley. Some of you have just been through that valley, and, and, and different valleys, but, but there, there's a few ways that we get ourselves into the valley. One, just being on this side of eternity with the, the brokenness of our of this world, we, we sin and we sin, are sinned against, and, and that often moves us into a valley. So that's one way, but even in that, the good shepherd doesn't stand outside the valley and say, I hope they clean themselves up. hope they find their way out. hope they get out of here. He says, no, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you are with me. We, we say it like this here at Redemption Parker. We say, God uh, will meet you where you're at. It's okay to not be okay. He'll meet you where you're at. Because here's the thing, uh, lost sheep don't find their way back home. They never have and they never will. And so the shepherd comes. So that's one way. But the other way might be even more disturbing. The other way implies... That it's not just that we find ourselves in the valley of the shadow of death, we find ourselves in a place of depression or sickness and suffering, of loss, of brokenness. Not only do we find ourselves there, but the, the, the implication is that this good shepherd has led us there, oftentimes. And that's hard to wrap your mind around. But you have to understand this shepherd is a good shepherd. One, He knows where that path leads. He knows where you ta- He's taking you when He's taking you through the valley of the shadow of death. You know one step at a time, but He knows where He's taking you. But, but there's even more than that to this. It says, you're with me, your rod and your staff, they, they, they comfort me. There, there's something about the valley that maybe, honestly, it, it should have a different name. Maybe instead of the valley of the shadow of death, I'm going to argue maybe it should be called the valley of blessing. There is a closeness with God that can only be had in the valley of the shadow of death that is not had on the side of the hill with the green pastures. So, so sometimes we, we, when we travel the world with our little kids, especially when they were really small, uh, we, we've gotten to go to Asia and Europe and a lot of different cities, and every now and again we find ourselves in a pretty sketchy area. And what happens is, as a family, we, we start to get closer and closer and closer. And usually at, at some point when it gets real sketchy, uh, you'll, you'll hear my wife say, all, all right, kids, grab a hand. And so we, we all grab a hand, and as we walk through that, we're, we're closer than, than ever. This is what... what what's beginning to be displayed here. There, there is a kind of blessing in the valley that, that you don't get elsewhere. And it isn't just that God is taking us to the valley to get us to the other side, though He is doing that, that there's something more that, that He's doing in the valley. Look at verse 5, which I think is actually what most, the most confusing and the key to understanding Psalm 23. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This is an amazing statement. You would think it would say, you prepare a table in your presence, God. That's what you're doing. You're preparing a table in your presence. But no, no, that's not what's... David says, that's not what God is saying. God is saying, I'm going to lead you, my sheep, into the valley of the shadow of death, into the place of suffering, into the place of depression, into the place of of darkness, so that I can bless you like no other time in your life. He says, you prepare a table before me as you're walking in the valley. Just, Just picture this. It says, uh, even though I'm surrounded in the presence of my enemy. Now, none of you are my enemies, but let's just imagine you were. And, and all around, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm outnumbered. Uh, most of these people are stronger than me. This is a, a dangerous place. And God says, no, 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 don't worry, I got it. I got a rod and a staff, and, and I got this. In fact, if, if you can use your imagination a little bit. Uh, Mark, I want you to pull up a chair. I've got a table here for you, Mark. But, but there's enemies all around, God. This is a dark place. Don't worry about that. i got a table. On this table, it's a, it's a banquet, and you're going to fellowship with me. This is crazy. A sheep gets a fellowship, a fellowship with a shepherd, and there's blessing on the table. You're like, well, well what about all these enemies? God? Don't worry about that. Right here, it's just me and you. And it says my... you, You anoint my head with oil. That's a picture of just Him pouring out blessing upon blessing on Him. This is in the valley, surrounded by the enemies. My cup overflows. This is more than enough. More than enough provision. More than enough with Him. And this is only happening in the valley of the shadow of death. And some of you, again, know that. You've experienced that. There is a kind of closeness, a kind of peace that cannot be had. And I'm not saying we look for the valley. God will take us to the valley on his own time. We're not seeking to walk through the valley. We're just seeking to follow the shepherd. And when he does, so often in those moments, how do we pray? How do I pray? Lord, get me out of the valley. (laughs) Right now, like yesterday, right now, I, I need it. Oh, like God, I believe you're good and all that, but I need, to, I need, to, I need to be done with this. That there's pain and there's suffering. Surely you're not a part of this, God. And God's like, no, no, just chill out. That there is something for you in this. I mean, have you ever experienced that? I mean, most of us could say that. The hardest moments of my life. I would never have chosen, would never go through again, and yet, man, I'm different because of that. I'm better because of that. I think of a valley moment one time. Uh, My second daughter, Abby, was about to be born, and we're fine pregnancy. Everything went well. We're driving to to the hospital, and I'm preaching on Job that week, and I literally pray. God, I'm preaching on Job. I don't need any illustrations, please. That's what I pray. Don't think about it again. So we get to the hospital, uh, the birth eventually goes off. But all of a sudden, like a, a team of like 12 doctors descend into the room. And they're frantically working on, on Abby, who's just been born. And, and the doctor says, Dad, if you want to come with us, we've got to go right now to the NICU, the intensive care unit. We've we got to get her out of here. I'm like, well, okay. And so uh, Jennifer doesn't even get to hold the baby or anything like that. They're, they're like running down the hallway to get to the other part of the hospital in the NICU. And NICU is a valley for so many people. And I I just go in the room, and they're not telling me anything because they're frantically working. They're they're doing oxygen. They're putting all sorts of things on her chest. And and eventually one of the doctors says, she's got something wrong with her heart. We don't know if it's going to start. It's all over the place. And that's all they tell me. But I just remember in that moment in that room... Just simultaneously, like, fear, yeah, uh, concern, yeah, but but at the same time, there was a peace and presence of, of God in that room that I had, hadn't experienced up until that point. And I just remember praying, Lord, Lord, I, I want my daughter to, to live, but, but God, thank you so much that if this is the only time I, I get with her, thank you for that. And I can't come up with that on my own. God has to give that to me. And it was in the valley that I got to experience the closeness with the Father in that way. So I, I don't know what you've been through, what you are going through, what you will go through. I, I just know that this is part of life, but there is a blessing in it so that David can amazingly say and conclude the psalm: Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now, who's goodness and mercy? That, that's, a, that's an echo from Exodus 34. God is goodness. God is mercy. He is the one surrounding David and following him and going before him and on the side of him. And then he says something amazing. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, you are leading me to a place, and the place is in your presence forever. This is amazing. How in the world does a, a sheep become a, a, a household member of God? Every other instant in, in human history, see, even the best shepherds of this world, at the end of the day, the sheep serve to be slaughtered and serve the purpose of the shepherd. And yet here it says, I shall dwell in the house." of the Lord forever. How is that possible? Well, for that, we have to turn to Jesus in John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, Jesus is going to reach back and and pull the imagery of Psalm 23. Your chapter title might say, I am the good shepherd. Mine does. John chapter 10.10, 10, Jesus is talking. He says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Again, it's the, that vision of the good life. And Jesus says, Oh, I've come to give you the good life, and I've come to give you far more than you could ever hope, think, or imagine. Well, how are you going to do that, Jesus? Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The reason we can trust the shepherd is not just because he knows every path. And not just because he knows every valley. The reason we can trust the good shepherd is because he became a sheep. And he went into a valley that you and I deserve to go through. He literally stepped down from heaven and glory and, and stepped into the valley of the shadow of death. He went to a place called Gethsemane the olive press. And he was pressed down. And the weight of what was about to happen to him was pressing down on him so much as he prayed. He, he prayed, Luke tells us, drops of blood came out of him. And he prayed, Father, if it is possible, uh, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And, and he gets silence. He's abandoned by his friends. He's betrayed by Judas. He's taken. And he walks the valley of the shadow of death and this valley as he walks he comes to the end of the road but there is no there is no light at the end of the tunnel there is just a cliff wall as high as I can see and it is a stop right there and his enemies have surrounded him and they are beginning to attack him and at the base of the cliff is a cross and at the cro- behind the cross there's an empty tomb and that's it it's a dead end there's nowhere to go and he would be crucified and on the cross he would quote David not Psalm 23 but he'd quote Psalm 22 and he would cry out to his God Eloi Eloi lama sabachthani my God my God why have you forsaken me and what you and I deserved to walk into the valley of shadow of death and go to that cross he took our place he took the sin that we deserved they took his body down put him in the cliff the, the, the tomb and, and rolled it up and they celebrated the enemies celebrate. We, we, we've defeated Jesus. But what they didn't know was the rest of the story. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to take it, lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. And on the third day, he didn't just come out of the tomb. the tomb. The tomb didn't just get open. He blew open that cliff wall. And on the other side now is the path to the household of God. And so David could say, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I don't know if you've ever met this shepherd, he's a good shepherd. He's not like any of the other shepherds. He died for you. You won't die for him. And today, if you hear his voice, Jesus says, the good shepherd knows his sheep and they know his voice. If you hear his voice, respond in faith. Say, I, I believe in you and, and you'll become a new creation, the Bible says. And you can begin to walk the paths of righteousness with him. Maybe you're here today and quite honestly, you are on the green pasture. Praise God for that. That's a kind of blessing. You're, you're going on vacation. I'm going on vacation this week, actually. You're going on vacation. Eat your steak. Drink your wine. Have a good time. That, that, there is a blessing in that. But maybe you're here today, and you're in a valley. Maybe for a long time. A few days. You know, all of us are just one call, phone call away from being in a valley. Like we, we, We're sheep. We don't know what the next step has. But the shepherd does know that there is blessing in the valley there is a closeness with God that only comes in the valley I I think of uh, two of my friends both of them on the day that they found out they had cancer it just happened to be that I was with them and I was preaching so on the that morning they heard you've got cancer it's bad I got to remind them of the gospel of grace, and I got to walk with them a little bit. <laughs> I'm not going to claim that I walked the valley of the shadow of death with them. They, there were days where it was only them and God walking that path. Lisa, she, uh, it was coming close to the end, and uh, her husband called me. says It's, it's almost over, Mark. Do you want to? Do you want to come here? I said Absolutely. And so. We drove down to New Mexico and went in there. Lisa loved the Lord. She loved the Lord before cancer. And yet, the cancer had deteriorated her body, but it had built up her soul in a way that I had never seen before. So, as I walked into that room, and she had the oxygen in her nose, and she turned and she smiled. And I'd never seen this before, but her cancer was so bad that you could see the, the bulges and the lumps of the tumors all over her body. And she just said, I'm ready to go home. I said, yes, you are. Yes, you are, Lisa. And we cried and we prayed with her. About 10 days later, I drove back down there and preached her funeral. And i got to be honest, I was a little jealous. <laughs> I'm jealous Not just because I knew she was in the presence of God. I was jealous because she knew the presence of God. She knew the shepherd in the midst of the valley like I have never known. Drew, he FaceTimed me about a week before he would die. I was in Europe, and I remember his first words. His words were, I'm ready to graduate. (laughs) A week later, I'd be on a plane, and I'd be flying, and I'd do his funeral, and again, jealous the blessing of the valley, God is working out eternal good purposes in our lives, in our valleys. So enjoy the sunshine, enjoy the green pasture, but know that he is present and surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. To that end, let me pray for us. Lord, I do want to pray for for people here in a valley right now. God, you know You know them. You know their prayers. You know where you're leading them because you are a good shepherd. Lord, I pray that they would know in a way that only they can know between you and them uh, the blessing of where you have them right now. I don't say that tritely, I don't say that in any way to diminish the pain and suffering that they're going through. But Lord, I know you're a good shepherd. You anoint our heads with oil. Our cup overflows in the valley. So I pray that you would be an ever-present help and comfort to them right now. Lord, I pray for, for each of us. Lord, if we have sunny days right now, Lord, help us to even now draw close to you and learn your voice so that in the dark days we can hear you clearly. God, I pray that this would be a church that is your hands and feet walking, ministering to loving people in all stages, seasons of life for those in the valley today and this week. Just give us real opportunity to love as you would love them. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.